Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. This is episode number 76 as we continue our study in the book of Acts. Good morning, Dakota. How are you? Good morning, bro. I am preparing my heart in this given moment of time for tonight's game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. Yes, by the time you listen to this, uh, you will know what type of attitude we have. That's right. Next week's episode, you know, it may we not, might be in a bad mood. We yeah, may not even record. No, we're preaching hell next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yes, the, you know, a few times on our podcast, we've mentioned the Dallas Cowboys and that we're fans and that you may be turning the podcast off right now, but uh, I don't know. We just lost all our listeners. We're, we're going to be real with you. We're not Cowboys fans that wear these uh, like rose colored lenses that that think they're going to get to the Super Bowl every single year. No, we're not. We know the Dallas Cowboys usually choke. We're very much pessimistic of our own team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so they do play the the best quarterback of all time tonight in Tom Brady, so you can't count him out even though he's 45 years old or however old he is. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. We'll watch it. We'll see what happens. One of the fun things about the Dallas Cowboys, and here's – Kind of why we talk about it sometimes is because that's that's what started conversations between you and me, and that's what led to us being good friends. Is we'd we'd hang out and watch the Cowboys together here and there, and uh, then we that became conversations about the Lord, and that became uh, time times for us as friends where we would really we'd we'd hang <clears throat> excuse me hang out to watch football, but then ended up just talking about dreams and life and ministry and all of that. So yeah, we hope. That they win. We don't think that they will. But with that being said, let's get into the episode. Yeah, let's go ahead and pray. And then we are going to continue learning about Stephen and the work of the Holy Spirit that is through him and what he is doing in the book of Acts. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful day that you have given us, that we can be in your word. Uh, we can learn more about you. We know that the Bible is so important to our lives because it's what you have given us. It's what you have given us to learn about who you are and how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to honor you and be obedient to you because of your son who has paid the penalty on the cross for our sins and has been risen again. And so allow us to learn from from this scripture, Lord. Apply it to our lives, not just learning a, a story about Stephen and what the Holy Spirit does, but how does this help us today? Uh, allow us to use this uh, each and every day as we go out uh, about our lives. Uh, be with us this morning as we speak. Let us speak your truth, Lord, from Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week's episode, we walked through Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and we saw that the church was growing. And because of church growth, there was some animosity between some of the Gentile women and some of the Hebrew women and their widows and things like that. And some were being overlooked and there was some partiality going on in the church. And a part of that was because the elders were just overly burdened with so many demands from the people. So they said, it's not right for us to neglect the word of God in prayer, uh, to serve tables, not the there's anything wrong with serving tables, but our priority is to shepherd people with his word. So they selected deacons who were full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom and faith and those things. And then as a result of this initiating of the new position of deacon 
in the New Testament church. What does it say in verse 7? It says that the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And I guess I just caught this today, just right now. It's interesting that there's these priests who are becoming obedient to the faith, the church is growing, and now we're about to enter into another section of Scripture which contrasts the priests that are coming to the faith. So you get Stephen here in today's passage, and I think the overarching idea that you and I spoke about at the start of the, or before the episode, was you're going to see the difference between a pure-hearted agenda and an impure-hearted agenda, and that's what we dive into. Any thoughts initially before we go? No, I just think it's good for us to recognize what just happened um, with with Stephen and the deacons as we go forward, because uh, we're really going to see on display who Stephen is. And I think this is important for us today as we read through this about where the power comes from that Stephen is displaying, but also the obedience that Stephen has to God in this moment. Uh, so for us to look at this, to look at Stephen, and and I think we're going to be in awe and wonder of what Stephen is doing, remembering where that comes from, and that that same source, right? God himself, the Holy Spirit, is something that all believers have. So this isn't a story of necessarily, oh, wow, I wish I could have been there. No, the Holy Spirit is here today. Yeah, The work can be done through you as well. Um, so let's read this. Let's see what's going on and see how how can we live like Stephen? Because I think Stephen is a great example of somebody who follows Jesus. Well, and just so our, our listeners are aware, and then I'm going to get right to the text. You know, this is Acts chapter 6, and we are identifying the setting or the circumstances or the situations that are arising to the table before Stephen gives uh, his famous sermon. And his famous sermon is what the entire... Um, seventh chapter of Acts is all about. And in fact, the New Testament gives 60 verses just to his sermon. It's one of the longest sermons in in the entire New Testament, maybe the longest uh, aside from Jesus. I'd have to check on that. But we're going to look at the setting that led to his sermon. And then our next couple of podcast episodes, I'm sure of it, it's going to be remaining in his sermon. So let's get it started. Here we go. It says this, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men, from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away, dragged him away, and brought him before the council. They put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place, meaning the temple, and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us, that he he destroyed the temple. Verse 15, And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel, 
and then we would enter into chapter 7, his sermon. So let's break it apart, verses 8 through 15. Uh, verses 8 through 10 seem to be the emphasis on Stephen, and then verses 11 onward seem to be the emphasis on those whom he's put before. But your initial thoughts, what are we dealing with today? Well, again, we see Stephen start out and uh, full of grace and power, it says, doing great wonders and signs among the people. So clearly he's preaching, he's healing, uh, all these things through through the Holy Spirit is doing this through him. So he's continually doing the work that has been given to him, right? The apostles have appointed Stephen to do this work. Mm-hmm. And so we see that that power has continued through Stephen and he's out doing these things. Uh, so I think he's not just not just preaching, but we see signs and wonders. Um, so he's continuing almost the work of the apostles, right? He's continuing what has already been going on. So it's almost like there's another one, <laughs> right? I, I mean, if I'm the elders and chief priests and all these guys, Where wait, these a, guys wait a minute, from? there was this many of them. Now, now this guy Stephen's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, where is this coming from? I mean, so we see what Stephen is doing. He just comes off of, uh, I don't know, probably handling this current situation, right? Uh, whatever that the the conflict with the with not serving the widows, so he's he's clearly handled that. Um, now moving forward, he's he's continually out ministering to people, and I think of of what a deacon does. I mean, healing the sick would be wow. I mean, that would be the <laughs> ultimate uh, of a deacon, right? Serving the people and going out and meeting their needs, being a servant for the Lord. I think we see Stephen doing that in this one verse. He's serving the Lord, full of grace. One, understanding the grace of God that has been given to him, but then living in obedience to God because of that grace, giving, being given the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, um, and then through that, great wonders are being done through him because of uh, his him following and being obedient to, to God. So I think that's what sets the scene. Stephen is living a life for Christ. That's his reputation, and that's important, I think, when we get to the last verse of this section— understanding Stephen's reputation will help us understand the last verse. So he is following the Lord. He's being obedient. Uh, and I think he's being bold like, yeah. like Peter was. Well, so, not just kind of setting the scene for where we're at, but the book of Acts is called the book of Acts because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. So I think even in this one example, it's just a continuation of the theme of the book. The Holy Spirit of God is using an individual to bring about the movement of the the early church. So the Holy Spirit is performing his acts. Yeah, and like any of the other apostles, um, there's guys rising up against him, right? Disputing his claims, disputing the gospel message, um, just like they did with Peter, just like they do with Paul all throughout the New Testament. I mean, again, there's a dispute here. There's There's debate in these places. Um, and they're not backing down. I think that's important for us to see because today we don't want to offend people. We don't want to offend people, right? But Stephen, Peter, Paul, these guys who we know as standing up, preaching and proclaiming God, telling the truth and not backing down yeah. and not necessarily the consequences for them don't matter, <laughs> especially Paul makes that very clear. Right. Right. Uh, to die. I get to be with Jesus, but while I'm here, I'm going to do Jesus's work. And so 
there there's this I think mindset that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's confidence in what they believe because it's true, and and there's there's debate going that helps us today because I think I I myself can struggle with shying away. Like I just don't want to deal with that today. I just don't want to have that debate with somebody. I don't want to be in, on that platform and and be just continually people just throwing stuff at me. Like that's uncomfortable. Right. Um. I think I think I can relate with the. There's why do that? It's not going to change any. It's not going to change their minds. Their their hearts are hardened. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I kind of have that attitude at times. I don't think Stephen had that attitude. No, at all. And and it's important to say that we as Christians should not go looking for opportunities to offend people. And I, I think there are there are Christians who want to do that, and that's unfortunate. But I think what's happening here is as a result of standing for Jesus that that. The results have been uh, Stephen's persecution. So he has a choice right now to back down, or he has a choice in the midst of that persecution to say, listen, this is the Jesus that I know. He can change you. You don't understand what we're preaching. You you really don't understand the power of where we're coming from, right? So he is not backing down from what he knows to be true, and I, I love the, that about him. So we move from that to now these men in the synagogue of freedmen, Cyrenians from Cyrene, Alexandrians, that's Alexandria, Egypt, from Cilicia, which is um, just south of, of Italy. And then you have from Asia, meaning Asia Minor, which would be modern-day Turkey. It's interesting that these collections of, of people from all around the globe, it kind of contrasts those who came to Jerusalem uh, on the day of Pentecost. And now you have like the antithesis of Pentecost, you have all these men from differing places there in the Middle East and around the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, They're gathering together, they're rising up, and now they are arguing with Stephen. But verse verse 10 says they were unable to cope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you ever been in a, a debate where you knew that you were wrong, but you were just arguing out of passion and emotion at the end of it? Well, yeah, they just start throwing <laughs> throwing whatever you can that sticks to the wall, right? Throwing shade and <laughs> yeah. cutting the person down. and yeah. it, it's you, get, like, you get away from the actual debate at that point. Right, your logic isn't winning out, so then you start attacking the person. Uh, their truth won out, and yours didn't, and now here we go, and this is what leads into verses 11 through 15. <laughs> <laughs> right? So they throw whatever they can to see what sticks to the wall, and then that's why they have to resort to the following verse 11. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses, meaning the Old Testament, and against God. It's really interesting because the text doesn't show that he did that. The text just so shows that they couldn't cope with his wisdom in the Spirit. So maybe they thought he was doing that. But what do you notice in their tactic in verse 11? I, I think it'd be fun for us to just take one verse at a time. What are they doing? I, I mean, I think their tactic is is pulling people away from the situation so Stephen can't actually defend himself or debate. Right. Right? Pulling men and then really pushing the things that are the most important to them and then accusing Stephen of doing that. Um, I mean, this isn't a new tactic. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> called a, wolf packing. Yeah. I don't have the guts to confront you and work with you personally, so I'll go behind your back, find people who agree with me, and then I'll bring more numbers and attack you. Right. <laughs> that um, happens everywhere. Yeah, it happens in American politics right. all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. Um especially recently, um where <laughs> they instigate lies amongst people 
in order to rise up a group of people who they know already believe that and then will take it to the next level and to 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 stir up uh, essentially a riot stir up a a mass following of people i mean that's what these guys are doing they want to cause trouble because if they cause trouble what did rome do in the situation with jesus yeah i mean whatever was going to please the crowd right that's it because when the crowd is pleased Yep. There's no insurrection, right. there's no issues, and whoever is governor doesn't have to answer to Rome and Caesar. And and that's kind of the problem with modern-day politics today is, and both sides are guilty, right? I mean, if you're in politics, politics are dirty, right? And and at the end of the day, this does kind of happen. Like, you know, it, you would rather n- not offend, right? And And people can start leading out of that place. And whether it's true or not, or whether it's good or not, people can lead from that place of fear of what everybody else says. So it's just the human condition. This has gone on for a long time, you know? Yeah. I mean, you see this in, in other areas, not just politics, um, in business. Yep. Um, trying that, to get ahead, uh, climb the corporate ladder. That's right. How can I uh, do what I others. can to step on others? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's happened in churches. Right. Which causes churches to split and to be extremely unhealthy. Yep. Uh, when things are said um, amongst a certain group of people um, and to control leadership in some way. Yeah. So this, again, this is not new, but it is a tactic that can work. Yeah. Because they've actually already made it work once (laughs) or many other times this happens in families yep families who are divided over a a particular issue they will step on one another and wolf pack you know a group of people here against another group of people there or or one person here versus a bunch over here um the the human condition does not want to confront does not want to sit down does not want to hear exactly what's being said and if they had, as Jesus said, if they had ears to hear, they would have really listened to what Stephen, what was Stephen influenced by? Or who was he influenced by? Verse 10 says, the Spirit of God. Man, the tension, their problem is not with Stephen. Their problem is with the Spirit of God, right? And because they have a problem with the Spirit of God, they secretly induce other men, they stir up lies. So that leads us to verse 12, and they stirred up the people right? The elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away. Now it becomes physical. They dragged him away and brought him before the council. Okay. So, you know, what's the tactic that you're seeing in verse 12? Yeah. Now we're seeing just overall force and numbers. Violence. And violence being physical, showing that they're the force, that they're the authority. Um, Have you ever like like in a debate or if you like get into something where somebody's getting frustrated and they know that they have some sort of physical ability over somebody where do they go to first is is violence yeah because they know they can win in that way yeah right i know that hey if i can't beat you with my words i know i can beat you with my strength yeah physically um so again they're just going down the progressive anger track yeah <laughs> of well we can't beat you with words and wisdom yep. because we don't have the wisdom of God, um, or they thought they did, but they actually didn't. Um, now let's start. Let's stir up the people. Let's get a bunch of people on our side to have strength in numbers, uh, because we we are Israel, right? I mean, right. they're God's chosen people, plus all these other people who are upset from other nations. 
who don't like what's going on either. So now let's get all these people together. And now, now we can get Steven. Right. Because who's going to stop us when a mob goes and grabs Steven and drags him off? Yeah, nobody. Nobody. Right. So we've got the authorities behind us. We've got the physical strength. We've got the numerical strength, the emotional strength, all of that stuff. It's just, it's fomenting, you could say, right? Yeah. And I mean, similar to Jesus. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, this is just exactly what's happening to Stephen. Same thing happened to Jesus. Right. You know, well, the apostles were going to stand up and fight, but Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus is like, nah, Peter put behind. Take your sword, put it somewhere else, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so I think they kind of know that uh, they're not going to fight back. Yep. That's not who they are, right? Physically, at least. Right. Um, They're just going to continue to teach and be obedient to God. And so what do we have to fear? Right. (laughs) We're the powerful ones here. Right. That's that's the, the, the lie that they're believing. So look at verse 13. After this, they put forward false witnesses who said this man incessantly speaks against this holy place, against this temple and the law, meaning Torah, Old Testament. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, interesting that they use Jesus' name because it's not common in these situations in the book of Acts. We have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. This is exactly what Jesus was accused of as he was standing before the high priest. Mm-hmm. We have heard you say that you're going to tear this temple down in three days and rebuild it. And, and the book of John even says, even in this, they weren't consistent with their testimony. So it's interesting that Jesus' uh, claims, which were misconstrued and twisted by others, have now fallen upon Stephen himself. But I think what this kind of gives us a clue into what Stephen was preaching about. Or, or teaching about with um, those who disagreed at first, it kind of goes to show that he was probably speaking about the power of redemption and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, making you now the temple of God, right? And he was probably speaking about how Jesus fulfilled everything according to the law and the prophets. And he was probably just saying that you in your own flesh do not have to try and serve God under Torah law. Now you can live obediently to God and fulfill the law by his spirit. So I'm imagining those were his conversations and he was empowered by the spirit in, in saying these things and they don't like it. They're like, no, because what, what you're preaching is Jesus and what you're preaching is the Holy Spirit and what you're not preaching is our ability to fulfill the law. Right, because Stephen's saying you no longer have to go through all of that toil, the continual sacrifices, the continual things anymore. Yep. That sacrifice has been completed for you through Jesus. The Lamb of God, he's already been slain. It's done. Yep. You no longer need to live that way. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the law is not important. What it means is you can now live the law out right. through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. So it's it's not the law is gone. It's that the law is now can be lived out through you in the way that you the things that you believe, the, your actions, the way that you care for people. I mean, that's what Jesus taught on. He said, how you live your life out for God and how you live your life towards other people, that's living out Torah, right? not it is. all of these different things, all these different traditions. I mean, imagine being the these guys who are against Stephen here. I guarantee you there is 
one, there's money involved here. Oh, for sure. We know that. Selling of well, of all kinds of things. Why did Jesus why did Jesus flip over tables in the temple? Right. They're we, making money. They're off making it. money. Well, if you don't need sacrifices anymore, that ruins your business. Yeah, there goes your scheme. <laughs> you lose your power, right. right? And so if if everybody can just have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, mm-hmm. why do you need a temple? Yeah. Why do you need all these different offices yep. of, of all these chief priests and all these things? Because who became the chief priest? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. Right. And who are the saints? Yep. His followers. Right. We don't need these things anymore. No more sacrifices. They heard, what they heard was, you're trying to rob our business. You're trying to rob our livelihood. You're trying to rob our authority. They didn't hear, oh my goodness, we are so thankful. We, you mean we don't have to keep killing those poor little animals? <laughs> you mean like our sin's not just covered over by the blood of animals, but our sin has been washed away forever by the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God? They didn't hear Stephen's real message. What they heard was, you're trying to tell me that I'm not righteous enough, and you're trying to tell me that I got to stop this business. You're trying to tell me that I can't be the powerful one in in, a, in the community anymore. Yeah. And it was all pride. It was all self righteousness. It was not. It didn't lead them to humility. What did Paul say? You're a stiff necked bunch of people. Yep. Your hardened hearts. Yep. Have kept you from seeing what God wants you to see. Yeah. And and what did what did they really try to use? They tried to use Moses. Here, right? The law and Moses, when it was established. Like, yeah. I know they're all, they have different motives, and we just talked about those, but they're trying to use scripture. They're trying to use Moses to be, well, what is Moses then to you? Apparently, you don't care about Moses, sure. the father of our faith, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't care you c- about one of the most important people. Yeah. Shame on you. Right. All of us would disagree with you on right. that, right? <laughs> like, they're building this case off of nothing Stephen said right. about Moses. At all. Stephen would clearly say that Moses is a man of faith. Right. <laughs> and would still, uh, you know, honor Moses for what he, following God. Yep. But, like, Moses himself recognized. There's one coming after me. Right. There is right. one coming that will this whole law thing yeah. will eventually be covered by yeah. God. Deuteronomy sorry, Deuteronomy 18. Yeah. There's going to come one one who comes in the likeness of Moses but so much better, so much more perfect. That's Jesus. Right. So what the people of Israel are hearing is are you kidding me? Moses wrote like the foundation of our society. You're telling me that we don't need him anymore? That's not what Stephen is saying. Right. Stephen is saying somebody better than Moses has come, and you need to pay attention to him if you want to have eternal life. So I find it interesting how the text closes, verse 15. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. And there's a lot that's going on here just in this one verse, but what's your initial feedback? How can we end today's episode You know, on verse 15? Well, I think back to the first verse, first couple verses, Stephen's reputation mm-hmm. is clean. Yeah, he's innocent. There's all of the stuff that they've stirred up are lies. Stephen is blameless before them. Yep. As he gets dragged in front of this council, we haven't heard him say anything yet. He's sitting there and they're saying that his face, they all... We're gazing at him, and his face looked like that of an angel. Yeah, like that of an angel. Right, not an angel itself. Right. Um, but like one. And, you know, and I imagine, one, we know the power of the Holy Spirit is in Stephen. He has confidence in who God is and what he has been called to do. 
and he is blameless and he is innocent in front of them, just like Jesus was. Yeah. And so I think Stephen here, though there could be worry in the sense from his from just being a man, I think Jesus showed his uh, the man side of him and the stress that came along with the sacrifice that he would make. But I think Stephen here knows I have an opportunity. And, and he's going to take it. And he's going to take it. Even if it leads to death. <laughs> right. And so I think Stephen's ready. Yeah. Um, knowing that his face doesn't have a face of worry. His face doesn't have a face of fear. His face doesn't have a face of any of these things. But that of an angel, um, I don't think, I think angels, one, we know they have to be obedient to God, right? In just in their nature, they have to be they have to follow God with everything because if they don't, they're out. Right. Um, they're not like humans where we get the blood of Christ and we're saved. They're messengers of God. Yeah. Stephen's about to deliver a message. He's going to be obedient to God. I think some of the things that even though Stephen is not an angel, I think there are some things that Stephen's about to do. He's going to be fully obedient. He's going to be a messenger of God, and he is confident in the truth. And so I think he's sitting there not in a way that's like confident, arrogant, but in a way that's like, I know my God, and I know what I'm about to say. Well, there's a couple of things that I just want to share here. Why would angels have the face that they had? And why did Moses have the face that he had that needed to be veiled? It was because both Moses and angels themselves come from a closer, more exacting presence of God, right? So if anything, I, I think that what's taking place here is it is some type of indication that what's about to go down in chapter 7 is going to receive the heavy approval of God and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God. So a couple of verses just that we can already bank on. First of all, Acts 1.8, the thesis statement for the whole book, Jesus said, but you will receive power, there it is, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now he's speaking about Pentecost, but I also think he's speaking of the results of Pentecost. And then he says, and you shall be my witnesses, my martyrs, <laughs> both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Then you think in the book of John, where Jesus clearly told them, you don't need to worry about what you are to say. You're going to be dragged in front of rulers and courts and kings and all, you know, all of these authorities. You're not, you don't need to worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit himself will teach you what you are to say in that moment. I think that, this scene right here, um, Acts 6 verse 15 is a fulfillment of that. And then Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus gives a great commission, go into all nations, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, meaning my presence will be with you. You might die, by the way, but my presence will be with you as you endeavor to do these things. And it's going to be worth it in the end. So you think about Stephen, his face is becoming like that of an angel, showing us that the presence of God is about to empower everything he says in chapter 7. And maybe for the fun of it, look at chapter 7, verse 1. The high priest said, are these things so? Just as the high priest asked Jesus the same question, literally weeks prior. Verse 2, and he said, hear me, brethren and fathers. He's speaking respectfully to them. You know, he's going to give them a, a repeat history of their faith. Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit when he's selected to be a deacon. He's full of the Holy Spirit as he's performing signs and powers and wonders. He's full of the Holy Spirit as he's arguing with these men. And now it seems like he's again being filled with the Spirit to preach one last time. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think Stephen's 
Stephen's example, though, um, short-lived, yeah, unfortunately, but exactly what God wanted for for this. I mean, obviously, this is orchestrated by God, and Stephen is going to see Jesus <laughs> uh, very soon. But but what an amazing testimony of Stephen's faith. Yeah, um, that he would stand before the council with full confidence, knowing what needed to be said. He stood on. He just. He stood on Jesus, and you know we talk about trials and sufferings. Stephen knows he's going through one, and we know that there's only two results if we stand on God in in a, in a trial or in a suffering. One is if we get through the trial and we don't die, we gain what endurance, yeah, steadfastness. Yep. If we don't make it through the trial and we end up dying, we get to stand before God, yeah, and in the arms of Jesus. What did Paul say? Yeah, to yeah. live is for Christ, to die is gain. Right, right. To be absent from the body is be present with the Lord. Right. Cool. Cool. You kill me, I'm with Jesus. Yeah. You don't kill me, I get to live for Jesus. So I'm going to stand before you guys, win-win, <laughs> and it's up to you to listen to the Lord. Yeah. But I already know what what I, what's going to happen to me. I'm either going to persevere, I'm going to endure, and I'm going to keep doing it. Yep. Or I'm going to be with Jesus. Yep. So what a, what an amazing testimony Stephen is. A win-win for him a lose-win for the listeners. Mm. Because if they don't listen, they lose. If they do listen, they win. Yep. So, And then they get to experience what Stephen is experiencing. Yeah. If you're listening to this episode, maybe I'll just close with this. And then Kyle, I'll let you kind of close us out with some last words. But truly, Christians are passionate about a person. That That is the definition of what it means to be a Christian, is someone who follows Christ but not just their own definition of Christ, someone who follows Jesus Christ according to what the Bible has to say, the inerrant, fully inspired, word, authoritative word of God, the things that Jesus said. We follow him wholeheartedly. That's why we use the words Lord and Savior. We call him our master, right? Christians who are caught with maybe within like an external religious system, that's one thing, but a real Christian is not just about like the culture. A real Christian is someone who has fallen in love with Jesus as their savior. They love a person. They have a relationship with him. It's totally different. And I just want to invite anyone who's listening, um, you need to consider that for yourself. Uh, the message of Jesus is not to come to some type of Christian culture. The message is first and foremost to come to him personally. And you can have that. In John chapter 15, Jesus calls us a friend. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ become a friend of Jesus. When I think about what a, a friend is, it's somebody who has been who gives given intimate information about yourself. Jesus has given you mm-hmm. the mission. He's given you what will happen in the end. Jesus is your friend. He's given you all that you need for salvation and the hope for the future. That's why Jesus can be our friend. And so um, I think we can have this boldness because Jesus stands there in our place uh, in that moment of death. He stands there who has cleansed all sin. So if you put your faith in him, you will be in the arms of Jesus someday. Yeah. And though I want to live a full life for the Lord, though I want to see my children grow up and serve the Lord— you know, like Paul, you know, I don't mind being in the arms of Jesus either. Yeah. So 
I just pray that you as listeners would take these things in the book of Acts serious to the point of what does this mean for me today? And that's what discipleship is all about. We, we read God's word. We, we understand what it says in, in, our, in the interpretation. And then we build that bridge to today. The Holy Spirit is active and alive now. He is in, he's indwelling in the believer. If you're struggling as a believer right now, spend time in prayer, seek the Holy Spirit for counsel and, and he will not let you down. That's right. Um, so I just encourage you be in the word, be in prayer, seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, uh, and you'll see God work in your life and you'll be able to count it all joy, no matter where you are in your life. Have a wonderful week. Please share this podcast, the Be Disciple podcast. You can find us on all streaming platforms. Share with your friends, your family, however you can. You can also check out our church, autobiblechurch.com. We would love to have you visit if you're in the Franklin County area of Kansas. Uh, We'll see you next week.